1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 Podcast. Um, we're all- on episode two of the season. um, Thank you for joining. I'm Ben Platt. I know it's not an easy listen um, at the moment, listening to these QPR podcasts. So, um, you know, thank you for everyone to keep listening. The numbers are going up every week. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> even though it's not going well, people will want to listen. So um, thank you for that. Uh, before we get into um, Saturday and the disaster that it was, um, let me just introduce who we've got on the pod. Uh, we've got the ever-present, Duncan McCready. Um, and we also welcome back Jack Supple Um Jack, um I've got a bit of a funny story to tell you, mate. And I've, I haven't even told you, and I want to tell you now. Like, we got a message on um on one of our socials and um and I don't normally interact with them because you never do. You don't want to but I t- took the bait this time. So I got a message and it said, good pod, lads, where's baby face? And I and I <laughs> <laughs> and I um and I said, "Thanks." What do you mean by babyface? And they went Jack Supple in big capital letters. And I put, "Is that the way he looks, or or is there a what do you mean?" And he, and they put it, it, both. It's it's the way he looks. And if you watch wrestling, babyface is a term for someone who is a good guy who talks. <laughs> he talks relevant sense and is always. And, and oh i can't even it's so funny and it, it literally
3: <laughs> oh. well for oh everyone God. listening like ben's that literally crying with laughter here
2: <laughs> and it, 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 he's a sensible one on the pod uh when is he back question mark mm. so um i replied back saying next week so i'll keep that anonymous but um I think Jack Babyface Supple probably is going to be your um, name moving forward.
4: Well, that's uh, that's quite the intro, Ben. Thanks for that. I mean...
2: Uh, i a positive in there, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, but I think after this Watford post, to use a, another wrestling term, I hope I don't turn heel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. But I, that <laughs> that's you that, you go if bad. that be bad, does it? Yeah. All right, okay, cool. Great. Okay. Um, I'm also delighted to wel- welcome Clive from Loft for Words. How are you, Clive? Are you okay?
5: Yeah, no, terrific. Every day's a new success. Yeah. So, so you know, thanks for having me. Delighted to delighted to spend it with you guys. I and just say I never get invited on anyone's podcast when we've just beat someone 3 0. It's like QPR's QPR's imploding. Let's get that loft of words guy on. This is this is how I end up on everyone's podcast. So
2: as if we predicted Saturdays, as if we do it was
1: coming. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, yeah. Clive, I've got a quick question for you that I just wanted to start off with. With all the years you've been sort of, you know, writing and speaking about QPR, it's quite Serious question. Um, how, where we are now, where do you rate it of how much trouble we are in compared to how we've been and all the issues that we've had in the past? How much trouble do you think we're in? That kind of makes sense.
5: Yeah. I mean, obviously, financial trouble, we've been way worse. Like when we were going into admin and yeah. rattling pockets around and the club was in danger. You know, that's But it's it's the worst. That team that we put out on Saturday is the worst QPR team I've ever seen. Like, yeah but quality wise standard wise commitment like any any measure of a football team that's the worst qpr team i've i've ever seen put out yeah i mean I've, have, I've been going since we, 92 yeah
2: we were in the pub actually um, before the game and you know when you're waiting for the team to come out you kind of forget and it's one minute past or whatever and every, we were just chatting and we heard everyone laughing around the pub it was like it moved across the pub right to us at the end and we were like, what's everyone laughing at? We thought someone had fallen over or something had happened. It was the team news that had caused that laughter. And, and um, like you say, Clive, which I agree with, which we said, it's the worst team I've seen, I think, on paper for a competitive league game. Um, but anyway, getting in, getting into it. Um, Jack, I'll, I'll come to you first. I don't know if you could try and um,
4: pick, pick through what happened on Saturday and what are your views? Well, I was saying to you guys before the pod, like, I think the first thing I looked at was trying to put that defeat into context, really, where that sits, you know, historically speaking. And uh, it was the first time we'd ever conceded four goals in the first half of a season opening game. That's never happened in our league history before. Such was the capitulation. I mean, it's not, you know, it was our heaviest opening day defeat since August 2012. When we lost 5-0 to Swansea under Mark Hughes. And outside the top flight, it was the heaviest opening day defeat since August 6, 1965. We lost 6-1 to Brentford in the third division. So, I mean, it's just one of those historical like checkpoints that we seem to be really enjoy putting up in the last few years. You know, they seem to pop up all over the place, records like that. I mean, what what I found quite ridiculous, Begovic, first keeper to concede four goals in his QPR debut since that August 2012 game where Rob Green conceded five. He made nine saves and got in team of the week, Begovic. I don't (laughs) know. You don't see that, do you? And, you know... When when I saw that we switched the game to be an away game for the season opener, obviously that's been really controversial. But when you look at how we start a season when it's away from home, and including the Watford game now, that's just one win in sixteen away games when it's when the away game's been the season opener. The only win in that run was the Eze uh, Masterclass at Stoke under Warburton. And again, like you look at Ainsworth and you think, has he made? Is he? I know he's got a really bad situation on his hands, but. The goals we're conceding, the lack of goals we're scoring. I mean, it's 17 goals conceded in seven away games under Ainsworth. There's a six at Blackpool, a three at Rotherham, now a four at Watford. You know, it's just, it's, it's dire. It's really dire. And, you know, you you still have that blind optimism and hope at the start of the season, even though I think a lot of fans this summer are very pragmatic and realistic about where we're at. And a lot of the predictions also showed that in the media. And I can't remember QPR being predicted to be relegated in Championship for many a year. You know, bottom. That's really shows you how everyone sees us. But 35, 30 seconds to concede. You know, it yeah, it was awful. I mean, I could understand some fans leaving after that because it was just in the manner of the goal, the manner of the body language, and then the capitulation is just something we're seeing all too often under Ainsworth, which kind of goes against what he's trying to portray. You know, effort, commitment. There's none of that. It's very worrying. Um, Doug, everything that
2: he said to us when we were when we met him a couple of weeks ago about how the team's going to set up, how they're going to be, you know, the mindset, like Jack mentioned there, I didn't see any of that. Um, we, uh, I mean, I guess my question is, how, how? It is it all his fault, or I've kind of there's a part of me that feels a little bit sorry for him in relation to it's difficult because it's the same team he had the same team. It's the same group of players that he's able to put out. I don't know how much of that sits with him. I don't know. I'm trying to be devil's advocate.
3: I mean, like, obviously, we can't blame him for the injury crisis at the centre backs. Like, we can't. Can we directly blame him for the fact we haven't got a centre back in? Is that his fault? Or is that higher up, like the board's fault, not getting these deals done? Like, we've all know that back four was shocking, and it's not a back four any manager would pick if he had a fully fit team. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt with the fact the team selection, he couldn't do much more. But... It doesn't, know, isn't he running it though? Isn't he running yeah, the that's it, what like, i say. You know, everything. he picks that team. He then surely has to drill into those players. All right, we know we're not our strongest, so we have to be strong as a unit, not individual, strong as a unit. Keep it tight for the first 5, 10, 15 minutes at least. Just be hard to break down don't do anything silly, stay with your runners, stay in shape. Uh, we didn't do that for more than 20 seconds. Literally. The first ball over the top, players were dragged all over the place. Like Dizel, I don't even know what Dizel was doing. Um, Ozzie, I don't even know what he did, he let his runner go. It was literally like centre-backs went, see you later. Massive gap, ball straight over the top. I want to be critical and say Begovic could have done better. But 30 seconds into the game, he's not expecting to be pretty much on a one-on-one. Yeah, so, absolutely. well, given the benefit of the doubt of that. Clive, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. And also, um, what's going on with Chris Willick?
2: Are you, what, is there? A, he, when he spoke to us in all summer, he telling us he's in the best shape of his life. And we, we desperately need some sort of attacking presence. And he puts him on the bench for an unfit Paul Smith.
5: Well, too, I mean, to add to what what was said there, and you mentioned, you know, we obviously met him and I did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago, and he said all through the summer that it's going to be difficult. You know, it's going to be backs to the wall, it's going to be a fight against relegation and whatever. And so that's got a few people's backs up. We might, you know, we might come on and, and talk about that. But in that scenario, if that is the scenario you're going for, that says to me that you're going to play a five and a four in front of it and you're going to pack it and there's going to you're going to crowd in front of the penalty area and you're going to sit there and say right we'll get through that you know Jeff boycott straight bat stuff and we're going to survive in the game for as long as you can you know that team he picked at the weekend was just wide open it was wide open from the first minute like you say, we conceded after 30 seconds Dazelle hasn't tracked his runner Field, all afternoon field, you would think the defence with the defence we've got, let's put some people in front of it to protect it as much as we can. You know, like Holloway used to do with Grant Hall. You know, he was so desperate. But Grant Hall in midfield because he knew the defence behind it was shocking. So you'd think Sam Field could just stand there and do that. But he was, like, kept journeying out to the left-hand side with his runner and leaving this huge space. Dazelle leaves this huge space just absolutely wide open. The stupid thing is we kicked off. Like kicked off, give the ball away, give the free kick, and give a goal away within thirty seconds. It was our kickoff, and you just think if it is backs to the wall, and we are in a relegation battle, then set up like that. Like we saw it at Burnley and Stoke last year. Didn't particularly like it. I don't want QPR to play like that, but at least it's right. This is what we've got to do today. We need three points. Plug it, and that's how we're going to play. There was none of that on Saturday. We were wide open. It doesn't bear any relation to what he's been saying.
2: Not too sure why. Chuck, oh, Kelman uh, looked well out of his depth. I don't. He, every yeah, time he got the ball, yeah. he lost it. He, he he was all over the place, Blessing, which, like, which was it domino, which was a bit domino, and, and you had everyone else out a position. I thought it was. You
5: know, I mean, Kelman, was Kelman, yeah, Kelman, and to answer your Willett question, I mean, Kelman, bless it, he's come back in great shape as well. He's obviously really tried. This is obviously his big moment to sort of make it at any kind of level before he drifts off. And he was, he was the only one in Austria that had any time of day for the fans. Like the, the players just didn't want to know the fans out there. And Kelman did at least sort of speak to you and, you know, seem keen and whatever. So I'm desperate for him to do well, but he just looked miles off the level, like you say. Willock and Richards, I mean, you guys, I came on here thinking this will be the bit that I disagree with them over. Like I think he's right to leave them out. You can't. What do we? What have we said about QPR over the past few years? The players don't care. The players are tossing it off. There's no team spirit. They're throwing managers under the bus. They didn't like Critchley. You know, Critchley gone in at Blackpool and started turning that around. Critchley's not a bad manager. They chucked him under the bus. You know, the culture's rotten and Gareth's big thing at Wickham is building a culture and correcting a culture, which takes time that he's probably not going to get here. But at this, you can't correct all of that if you've got players like Richards and Willock who are just tossing it off and refusing to track back, and I don't know if you guys were at Oxford, but the way they played, the way they defended, the way they were jumping out of tackles, the way they were arsing about, like it didn't matter. You can't then pick those people next week just because you're desperate and they're your best players and they're your big names and your big earners. Because as soon as you do it, it just destroys everything. Now, you might say there's nothing to destroy, so... I take the point, but i that was the only bit of Saturday that I thought, yeah, he's right. Like if they're gonna behave like that and play like that, then you can't pick them.
2: I'm bring him on in the ninety-seventh minute.
5: Well, that's just him that's that's that in it. That's just him saying no, bollocks to you. So. It
4: makes you wonder
5: though, why why are we putting out well what's have we, why are the club putting
4: out, you know. Articles about Willock being ready and Ainsworth saying he's best shape he's looked in. Why, why are we bigging him up, saying one thing and then doing the other thing? Because it's it's the same with the injury, the lack of injury updates, which gets on my nerves a lot. I, you know what you know what the QPR score is. I don't think you're going to get that much of an advantage knowing if Jimmy Dunn's going to play for the next few weeks or not. Like, you know, we're threadbare as it is. But that so that's another thing because it creates a, a vacuum and people fill it with their own theories. And they've got nothing else to go on, so you can't blame them. But with with the Willock stuff, I don't get it. All the noise from the club this summer has been how much he's looking good. He's looking good in training. He's sharp. Obviously, Oxford was a debacle. But it's like we've been told one thing and then the actions are the other. And it's like, I feel like that's a part of the problem at the moment, the communication coming out of the club. Is
3: it, is it almost like they're saying, Willock's fit, come get him? Like, well, we've mm-hmm. never seen him in such good shape. Go on, if you want him, come get him now while he's fit. We won't play him. We'll, we'll keep him fit for you and healthy for you. We won't risk him just to get him out of the club. Possibly. I've, I've stopped listening to them. I mean, the, the sort of... I
5: know what he's trying to do. Like, he's trying to protect his players. He's trying to keep it all in-house. He's dealing with, like, myriad problems. The place is an absolute catastrophe. Like, it's just a disaster. And he's trying to keep it in-house but you saw what happened when Critchley brought it out in the open and said, this lot don't care. Their mentality is in the bin. They just chucked him. So I I do appreciate what he's doing. I don't understand what he gets out of sitting in a room with us guys on the Thursday and saying, Paul Smith, nothing wrong with him, really. Little bit of a groin. He'll play at Oxford on Saturday. Like literally two days later, we're at Oxford and he's not there. Like, what does he get out of doing? I don't understand what he gets out of doing that in like, I just, I just so I've, I've basically stopped listening because they're not telling the truth. Like he said, that they he said again on Saturday, the lads gave me everything they've got.
2: Yeah, he was holding on to a second half performance where Watford have been told at half time, just, just chill, lads, right? Just chill a little bit with first game. If that game was any other game of the season, if we we're talking mid season or you know, two months down, line, that would have or could have, and probably would have been six, seven, eight, nil, I, you know, so and he's holding on to that as. Which oh, I, you've got to hold on to something, I guess, but it's just a little bit frustrating. But as fans are listening to it, and we we know, we, you know we're not stupid, we do we, we watch the games. Um, yeah. I always find this pre and post press conferences really difficult listens. I always have, uh, even at the start. I, 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 you know, I know Richley was a bit morbid in his, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else finds the same. I end up having to turn it off. And then listen to it again later on in the day <laughs> when I'm when I'm back ready again, I'll listen to it.
4: It's the same for me. Yeah. I have to yeah. like in stages because it's you can only take so much of that. Yeah, it's it's a bit repetitive. I I do don't... You think that
2: he's do you sorry Jack, you, I'm just sorry, going back to the the Willick and I, I mean a chair's probably a different conversation, but do you think he's trying to push Willock out or push about? But he's waiting the centre back situation to see if we sell him to be able to go buy uh 40 or a couple of the players
4: that are probably a bit out of our reach. is holding just to see. Well, I think, I think like, it feels like, yeah, there's certain dominoes that need to fall for other ones to like take place. But like, you know, you just see the players we've been linked with. It's all over 30 year olds. I mean, these, these are real just stock gap signings, aren't they? And we've done all that before under McLaren. Didn't always work out that very well in the end, did it? But I guess this is a more dire situation potentially. It is really is, needs must. It's just bodies in at this point, but you just spawned out. You know, it's a terrible situation to be in. And I just think part of me really wants to like hold on until the end of the window before reserving judgment. But you can't help but not, not really. You know, you, the judgment's already there, isn't it? Ainsworth's been in since February. He's had all summer to sort of start
3: churning the squad, the squad around, but we look worse. The problem we have is as well, if we're waiting for to sell Willock to then get in and say Ferino, like how long is that? We, don't, we might not set him to the end of August. We can't well, know, play the I, whole I of August with no fit centre back.
1: No, I, no, I, I actually
3: it. cannot I believe that no one has come in the door since Saturday with how bad we were. No, and we've got Cardiff, which isn't going to be an easy game. We've got well, no fit centre backs.
2: Of Jimmy Dunn being injured, I, I can't for the life of me understand why we're. we're
3: why no one's come in and even if
2: someone comes in now, how fit are they going to be for Saturday with people we're talking about I've had no preseason they' like Colback uh, they're not and if they do come in it's not great for them is it their first game unfit come in we lose three or four it's just not a good start is it for anyone does not help anyone
5: it's the re it's the reason that Jack has given that we're in an FFP situation where you have to you are having to wait for someone to go before we can do anything we can't even pay. 400,000 for Chris Farino. I think, you know, I noticed the Wickham manager in his interview at the weekend. and they got yeah, beat, beat at home and he said Farino's had his head turned, you know, his head wasn't in the right place. I think we're basically trying to sort of bully Wickham down to only charging us 150,000 <laughs> base. That's the situation we're in because the FFP headroom is not there until somebody leaves. And let's also be perfectly honest about it. Chris Farino is not very good. Like if you what? think Farino's is going to come in here and we're gonna that's suddenly gonna be fine like the players we're signing Morgan Fox he's, he's not very good like that's that's the level that we're shopping at so we're, we're sort of desperate to get Steve Cook in, Jack Colback. you know these players man like if you think this is gonna help greatly I don't know what I don't know what to say to you like Josh Knight from Peterborough is you know he's basic man these are the basic footballers that we're sort of desperate for but it, it's the reason that jack said there's so little ffp headroom that they need someone else to need it still one of the good players we do have has got to go before we can do anything
2: but Mike, do you have, have, have you have. got like a have you got like a layman's term like quick summary of our how bad or, or where we are for an ffp I know, I know you know i know the numbers are out there but just a quick like how close to the line are we like how many would even... Selling Willock for eight, nine hundred thousand, a million, do anything. Would that still mean we can't buy anyone?
5: Yeah, probably. I mean, like I say, if you can't pay four hundred thousand pounds for Chris Farino yeah. from Wickham, that shows you how right on the edge we are. And also, like if you come to talking about whether you're going to replace Ainsworth, you know, you've got it would probably cost you that to pay him off. So you've got that's another sort of question to, to come on to. Look, the simple things you've got to remember with FFP are it's a rolling three-year period. It never resets. You don't do three years and then start another three years. It's a rolling three-year. You're allowed to lose £39 million in that three years. We've been fine for a little while now because we sold Eze. So we recorded a loss in that season of £4 million with your disallowable costs that aren't counted towards FFP. It basically meant we lost zero. So that's brilliant. While that's in your three-year cycle, but whatever we lose this season is replacing that in our three-year cycle. The SA sale has gone. What's, what is, hasn't gone is the £25 million we lost trying to get promoted under Mark Warburton. And I know everybody says, how do we lose all that? You know, we didn't spend transfer fees. We did a little bit. You know, those loans, Andre Gray is expensive. Sam McCallum is expensive. Um, you know, and teams in our division don't breach FFP with transfer fees. They breach it with wage bill um so you know we had a wage bill of 28 million pounds that season you can't do it we've got the 25 million pound loss still in our three year the sa sale is gone so you now have to this season basically lose the same amount of money you did when you sold a player for 20 million quid so if you can't sell another player for 20 million quid you've basically got to find 20 million pounds somewhere else and that's by selling players and just hacking the wage bill down like so aggressively to the point that we've now got a team on the pitch that isn't even a League One team, in my opinion.
3: It's still it's depressing this thing, isn't it? Like the whole FFP thing. I just I feel like it just really affects Championship clubs and doesn't like the Premier. Look at Premier League teams; and they just seem because they've got the sponsorship deals, it's so much bigger than all of ours. It just doesn't seem to be a fair playing field. Yeah, even... it's, it's there to keep idiot scum like us in our place and
5: you know the bigger clubs just get further and further away that's that you know that's that's what it's there for but you know it is what it is those 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 are the rules there are other clubs in the championship I look at Cardiff and think how are they complying with the signings they're making and things like that I don't there's stuff like that that I don't understand Um, but you know it is it is where we are and you know people say the board need to spend money Show ambition and all of that. It's just simple maths. They can't. I'm sure they would absolutely love to go out and sign 10 players. This board, you know, but that's how we've got into this trouble again. Because the first chance they had after they sold Eze, they went out and signed loads of players. And that's how we've ended up back here. That's, you know, that is what this this board does. That's I mean, the other thing. Th- the other thing I'm worried about now, like when you bring it, you were so desperate. You're bringing in stop gaps. Jack called them stop gaps. Stephen, um, jack coleback jesus i nearly call him Stephen colker there can you imagine um, <laughs> you're bringing jack coleback in but you're having to give him a two-year deal with a third-year option he's 34 next month so you're already creating further problems that like we've just had to pay stephanie johansson off you're creating a problem for yourself again next summer or the summer after where you're gonna have jack Colback on a contract you don't want him on possibly in the division below but we're now having to do that just to get him through the door it's like you, you yeah, you think,
4: we, like, with the to manoeuvre in this market, we've obviously still got a cell, a chair, a field. I mean, as you said, the FIFA will it probably won't touch the sides. But someone like Sam Field, you see rumours today online, Rangers, Burnley. I mean, I, I wouldn't really trust the people inside of... You know, it's not Bible, is it? They're quite, like, hit and miss, I find, with their rumours. But, you know, I just think, like, with Sam Field what's his contract situation has it do we have an option or is it running
5: out next summer because... do not know if we've got an option one year don't know if we've got an option basically every deal we ever do seems to have an option on it but again you're not allowed you know they never tell you we're not allowed to we're not allowed to know so yeah well, but yeah if, he, if he's only got one year left then you're immediately setting that at a certain price level <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to say I'm trying to I'm trying to find something optimistic to say but there just isn't anything like Uh, this is the
3: problem isn't it it's constant every single time every single summer we've got a player we're saying how have they got down to the last year of the contract and we've got no bargaining position but it happens every summer like why are we not getting these contracts renewed properly then we give what Nico Hamelainen what a six seven year deal Uh, like I just doesn't make sense to me like the whole strategy around that the running of the club in that aspect just makes no sense it feels like we've got a kid running it well, I think like Chair was the last one
4: he did properly because he's still got a couple of years and he's still in a position where his numbers are good from last year. He could probably get a top six championship club or even like a, you know, a Luton, for example, when the Prem is in that sort of bracket, maybe. I think, other than that, if Field's contract does run out in a, you know less than a year, we've, as you say, we've got no no uh, bargaining power there. It's, about, it's Chair or bust, isn't it? In more ways than one.
2: Uh, how did we get Linda Dykes to sign a contract? Is, a, is another question I've got. I don't know what we've given him, if that's or what we've said to him. But I, I'm, I'm kind of still in shock about that.
3: Yeah, me too. Yeah, no, no well, idea. Trickery. I think it's it's like Ainsworth said. One, he wants to. He told us he wants to build a team around Dykes, a bit like Scotland do. Like, did he sell him that dream? Did he say, we, we, oh, "We've let Steph go. I can give you a bit more of his wages to top yours up"?
2: We we still haven't. We're not even. I imagine this is probably bottom of the list, but it's haven't resolved the fact that we haven't got enough strikers. You look at... I, looked at, I watched the games on Sunday, right? And I looked at Cardiff. Cardiff, who we are under a transfer embargo. I looked at their bench and I thought, wow, I would... You know, they've got Robinson, Grant. That uppo looks good. They, it's just, you know... I, Ipswich. They, they started three strikers away at Sunderland. You know, I just... And we've just got Lyndon Dykes. I know Armstrong and Kelman, but they're not your second or even third. You know, third options really should
5: they? Uh, Cardiff are one of the clubs I don't understand how they're qualifying under FFP. I just don't, I don't get it. Signing Aaron Ramsey and stuff like that. Ips, Ipswich have done what Sunderland did. The FFP rules are much more favorable in League One, and they've used that to build a Championship team that can just come into the Championship and t- and carry and kick on with a couple of loans. So,
2: I, I think, and I, I I thought this when I was. Speaking to, listening to Gareth a couple of weeks ago was I think that although he's happy we stayed up, I don't think Gareth Ainsworth would have been too unhappy if we'd have gone down last season. He was rebuilding, doing this job in League One. I think it would have been easier for him because, yes, we would have probably definitely lost maybe the chairman, but actually, really, wouldn't, that would benefit him and he'd have a bit more, do you know what I mean? The pool of the players would be slightly different, but it'd be an easier job for him. I don't know if anyone else agrees or disagrees. You can spend or... what you
5: like in you can basically spend what you like in League One as long as you don't leverage the debt against the club, which is what our owners do anyway. They write the debt off, but yeah. the rules are different in the championship. So he would have things to spend. He's more he's I don't disagree oh, with right, what okay. don't disagree with what you said, to be honest. No.
2: I know the spin to the fans is what's great we stayed up, amazing, fists in the air at Stoke and Burnley, but I would I just wonder whether in the back of his head or him and Dobson are sat in a go. We might be this might be this will be a lot tougher this year. We won't get anywhere near enough time, and like someone said earlier, we can wait until August um, and see where we are. I'll imagine we probably will bring in four or five players, but it could be too late for him, really. If he loses his first five games of the season, it's going to be tough for him.
4: Well, on your point about you know the strikers, and obviously, we all know that's the most expensive position to replace, but you know, we haven't scored more than two goals in a single game since, well, nearly 10 months at Cardiff, at home against Cardiff, 33 games we've gone since we haven't scored more than twice in a game. So, you know, that is, the goals have dried up well and truly. But then, as you say, you look at our options, they're just not there. And two thirds of them, you know, and Armstrong's got potential, very raw. And Kelman looks, you know, apparently a great finisher, as we keep being told, but he. Never in a scoring position in a real live game for us, from what I've seen just yet. They're they're not championship standard strikers. So and Dyke and we know Dykes. I mean, look, is one on one against Watford. You no, know, he's he's in and he he he's done it before. He telegraphs what he's going to do and then he misses it. And I I think he's a really good. You know, he's a really hard working striker. He's on his day, a real handful. But he's not. He's never been a source of goals. I think twelve is his best season for us. So yeah, yeah. I mean. If, You talk about Ainsworth, and he could be in trouble. But as Clive pointed out, if we can't afford can't afford Chris Farino from Wickham, or you know Knight from Peterborough, how are we going to afford to pay off someone like Ainsworth? You know, was it a three year deal as well?
5: Uh, It won't be. You won't have to pay that three. There there will be a settlement amount. There will be a settlement amount in there, but I'd be amazed if it was less than four hundred thousand. So, like it, it. I think it is a. A concern. Like, I'm not even sure they'd be able to afford to to sack him. Like plus, you know, what's the first question? Any new manager coming to a club is going to want to know other than his own salary. Yeah, he's going to want to know how, how much there is to spend. Like, because he's going to want to bring his own players and you know, and the answer here is basically zero, but less than zero, because you've still got to sell somebody else. so oh, that immediately it, sets the caliber of manager that you would get here. So I think we only managed to get Aimsworth because he obviously wanted the job for his whole life. Um, you only managed to get in someone of that calibre because of that. And I know the players weren't having
4: Critchley, Whichever feel would be better off long-term if we'd kept Critchley? Because it was, I mean, I think the Sheffield United game, the last minute goal we conceded was a bit of a sliding doors moment. I think like we, you know, that would have been a really good win. That uh, was a bit devastating to concede that late into the game, but he's not a bad manager. But was he just the wrong fit for QPR? I mean, the players weren't having him, were they? So, Uh, what what
2: about the other way? We got Gareth Ainsworth in instead of Critchley. At the point we got Critchley in, would that have made any difference? I don't
3: know. No. Well, Critchley for me is a better manager than Ainsworth. Like, even like the problem is Critchley threw the players under the bus, and our group of players don't like it. They can't. They can't handle that criticism. They don't like it. I enjoyed that press. That's why. Bill kind of it's came care. in and like put his arm around all the labs and like, You're all amazing, we're gonna get promoted, you're the best players in this league. And they all went, Hello, are we? Happy days. And that's <laughs> why we started the season so well. Then as soon as it gets a little bit tough, like our players just crumble. And as soon as you give them any kind of criticism, they don't like it, throw the toys out of pram. And this is the problem with modern day football they're so like pampered in the in the academies they don't realize how hard it is anymore because they're not on YTS contracts where they're getting 20 quid a week there's 16 year olds that are on 500 600 700 quid a week in academies like they don't know the hardship that players 15 years ago had 20 years ago had
5: I mean they get yeah. you right you're right that our players just do not cope with adversity or criticism at all they're like they're like little kids um and you can't afford to be like that when you're not very good cuz like if you've got the ability to cover it up then that's fine but they just haven't they're not very good footballers um you know we can talk about Andre Dazel on Saturday I mean you could pick any any one of them from Saturday but I I just look at him mooching around like that like football owes him a living and like like he's going to get another club like the like he's all sort of above it I, you know I can't play my diag here. I can't play my through balls here I'm I'm this is all a bit beneath me and I'll get another club because I'm Andre Zell and I've got this great reputation that's what he looks like to me but you know I could pick I could pick anybody out of our team that's how I feel about Willock and Richards that's how I felt about Laird and Roberts last year like you know the only thing I would say is that these footballers are behaving like people in football don't notice and don't talk to each other. And you look at Laird. When we signed Laird last Mm. summer, I was like, that is the best right back we could have got. Like age profile, brilliant at Swansea. His numbers were through the roof. I couldn't believe we got him. And within a year he's gone to, you can go to Birmingham for 500,000 because people do notice when you're behaving like that. Um, So I think all of these players that are currently mooching around and, oh, we don't like how Ainsworth plays. We didn't like Critchley either. Like, you know... Are, we, are you just gonna do this until you get someone you like? And do you think that the rest of football is not noticing? The reason we haven't got offers for Chair, Willock, you know, these players we need to sell is because the rest of football's looking at this. Critchley said it himself when he was at Blackpool, the rest of the championship knew QPR were mentally weak and were a team could get at. So why why would people be in a rush to sign these players? I think then they they need a reality check, like. Right?
2: We've heavily invested on Desailly. He's on a fair bit, I think, for his quality, and we've spent a million pound on him. I don't know whether that's impacted him. One player that obviously I like, but I'm worrying looking at him on Saturday that he's he's been infected with this is Kenneth Powell. He, he was one of the. He, he's got away with a bit. He was really poor in the first half. Really poor. A lot of the issues came down that left side. He lost, he just didn't look like the kind of pals. definitely, you know, even towards the end of the season, he was still half decent.
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Like,
2: you know, um, so I
1: don't
2: know if anyone else noticed that. Or,
4: well, had
1: it's, it's just, a
2: guess, an infection, isn't it? It's, yeah, well, of course. It spread.
4: just spreads. Well, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I think the no, we well, disinterested chair, you know, in front of him. You know, looked like he couldn't be asked in the first half. You know, yeah. often no protection to the point where you've got Sam Field Vacate in the middle to go and give Powell some protection, and Powell's our best fullback. So that's obviously Fields seeing the danger. But then what that does, because we're only playing two central midfielders, and then asking a lot. Let's be honest, let's give Kelman a bit of credit. Asking a lot that, to ask him to drop in, form a third centre midfielder, and try and like lead, you know help lead the press and fill the, the spaces. And when Dzemail can't be asked to track track anyone, just you know meanders about and you've got Phil trying to do the running of two people it leaves all these open spaces and I just think yeah I worry Ainsworth is not getting the best out of chair uh, or clearly Warburton and Bill did um, and that's a very you know specific style it's, you know the team was built around him we're trying to bypass him in under Ainsworth
5: he that's looks completely bad. checked out to me just got um, complete yeah. like packed. His, just completely checked out. Absolutely desperate for his phone to ring between now and August. But again, like people are watching. They're seeing what's going on at QPR. Like you, you why his numbers are through the roof. And you know I love Elias Chair. I think he's our best player. You know, try until recently has been trying his heart out. Probably deserves a move and whatever. But. You, I just can't believe anybody would watch a QPR game at the moment and want any of the players, but he just looks like he's already on. You know, his bags are packed and he's ready to go. To me, like. well, I think uh, an ex-colleague of
4: mine at Opta, um, Matt Furness, he's a Watford season ticket holder, and he was there. And he usually would give each other a bit of you know, grief over the games, and we've had a good record against Watford in recent you know seasons. But he gave a pretty honest assessment to the point where I think he felt sorry for us a little bit. He was just like, oh, yeah. why, what, why have you got? Why is Ainsworth not? Even try and incorporate Chair or Willock in the game. The fullbacks look, you know, so out of depth. You know, he just said it's it's an absolute mess. Any any manager that's at QPR and isn't trying to get the best out of Chair and then maybe Willow. We know the situation with Willock, but this is from an outsider looking. It is insane. Yeah. So, you know, and I I, I, let's be honest. Like there are <laughs> there the players that are going to win your games. I think we can all agree with that as fans. who haven't seen us over the last few years. I don't get it. And this is my biggest bugbear, you know, we've got a good manager will try and get the best out of what he's got and play to their strengths, not enforce a style on a team that's not set up for it. So that's my main concern.
2: One, another thing I noticed on Saturday was, I can't remember what minute it was, we were 3 nil down and, and the board went out or someone was injured. And, and, and the Watford manager, he, he had all of his players around, barking orders at them, literally had three or four players around him doing this pointing. I, I looked at Gareth Ainsworth and he was he, he just, he, he didn't think, Wasn't at that point, he should be shouting at people, do this, do that, to, giving instructions. And he just did, he was just not doing anything. So, you know, you couldn't yeah. read more into that probably than, than it is. But it's just. It, it, it,
3: but it, after it, the second goal, he had his head in his hands anyway. <laughs> we went to, as soon as he scored the second, he was there at to touch like this. Like already didn't have a clue what he was doing from that point. Like, he made a big comment about being stronger from defensive set pieces. We had every single player in our box for corners. We had no out, even if we won the first ball, which we yeah, didn't win. We didn't win a first ball. And then we let the third goal came from a corner. I think it was, what, I- Ilias or Kenneth got out-jumped yeah. at the front near post? Smith. They're not going to win. It Smith, Smith. It? Like, yeah. I knew it was one of our shorter players. But, like, like do you know what I mean? they weren't going to win a header. So why have them in the box? Why not leave some players further up the pitch for an outlet? That means Watford can't put as many players in the box. Like Watford's goalkeeper from the first half was playing as a CDM. He literally was, I don't think, think he had two touches in his own box. Yeah. All his other touches were literally like near enough the halfway line. And
5: and Gakia their right back, was just able to step into midfield completely, nobody went with him. Suddenly there's an extra midfield and we're already outnumbered yep. there. It's the it was the maddest setup I think I've ever seen for a football yeah. game. You've had all That's summer true. to plan for that match. And that is the setup you you came up with. I just I, it blows my mind. Have you seen the comments from the Watford centre back today? Was it is it, Portis, yeah. uh, Hoyt, it in yeah. the...
2: Oh, that one, yeah, yeah, I saw that in the Watford
5: Observer. He's like, he literally said, "I don't know if QPR have watched me have a bad game or whatever," but could not believe how much time and how many touches and how many passes they let him and Hoyt play out from the back. And like, yeah. that's what the opposition are saying. They literally couldn't believe what they were facing.
3: Well, there was seemed to be no shape, no press. It was just like get everyone on the eighteen yard box and just let Watford have the ball and do what they want. But then all of a sudden, someone would move. There'd be a massive space, and they play for us. This is the thing that, like, if we were pressing, like, we're going to press. Okay, fine, I can see that.
5: You know, you, or if you're just going to sit everyone back, you're going to try and be really defensive and defend your penalty areas. Okay, I can see that. But it was neither. We neither attacked nor defended. We neither pressed nor sat off. We just sort of stood and then, like watched it all go on around it. I've genuinely, it was insane. I've, ne- I'm so pleased that Watford called the dogs off at half time because. Yeah. Like that could have been. I, I was sitting there thinking, if this keeps going at this tempo and this pattern, this is going to be like eight, nine, maybe. <laughs> I've never yeah, seen I such a hopeless it, mismatch and such a mad setup. It didn't change, though.
2: At any point in the first half, I, I don't know. His know, comment, like his comment
5: in his post match, Ben, about, oh, we made a tactical switch at half time. Is it just me that thinks maybe that the time for that is when you're 2 nil down?
0: Not four.
5: What? Like I will give it till half time. You're four nil down, Carrot. Like I feel. I don't. I, we. All, I love him, but
3: it's well, hard, isn't it? It's it's bloody hard when he's saying things like that and doing things like that. It's mad. Like how many times have we seen like an elite manager be two nil down in the after 20 minutes and at 25 minutes they make a sub, they change the game straight away, even in the first half. They don't even wait till half time. What like? I just don't get I don't get what uh, the whole thinking was. we could have brought on Duke McKenna earlier, put three in midfield, made it a bit more compact. I just don't understand anything. Well, go, to the, go to the shape,
5: go to the shape that we played yeah. in the second half. You could yeah. have done that at 2-0 down. Like you just said, Duncan, I think it was. There was a stoppage. Yeah. You know, there was a stoppage and Watford got round their manager and whatever. So yeah. there was an opportunity to do something there. And we're just like, oh no, we'll give it till half-time. Like, I think we were lucky to only be 4-0 down at half-time. I mean, Begovic, like mm. Jack said, got in the team of the week.
2: <laughs> there is a, there is, I feel like there is a, I'm trying to find a positive. One positive I wrote down <laughs> is was was Armstrong, again, um, hustling and bustling and, and just causing problems and where he could. I, I, I don't know why Ainsworth isn't just, he may as well just put him in and, and, and see how he does. If he doesn't score for a few games, fine, but I, I can't Imagine that fans are going to be unhappy. I can't, I won't be if he puts him in, whether it's with dykes up there. And uh, uh, you, do you know what I mean? Try and if we're going to play it long, at least we've got a bit of an outlet. He might, you know what I mean? might cause a mistake, he might do something. Um, so I thought that was a positive. Um, I didn't know if anyone else has got any, or or
4: yeah, I think on the <laughs> topic of Diesel, here he was-
2: is, baby face.
4: He, yeah, he wasn't a positive. It was more Duke McKenna did more in that second half than I think I've seen Dizelle do bar that one assist that was it Cardiff, whoever it was, a few seasons ago. Yeah, he's, got, he's got an oil painting of that on his wall. Yeah, right? yeah he's he's lived up of that. He's probably expecting a new contract soon for it, but like one assist in his whole QPR career or something stupid like that. But yeah, had one assist and no goals. Yeah. And I think um Duke McKenna, he just showed you a bit of effort, a bit of application. He's he's actually quite a tidy footballer, he's not that bad a footballer. I think he's in with a shout as an option to replace someone like Dizelle, whether, whether Ainsworth will. I don't know. I, I would have thought three in midfield against is an absolute must. So maybe you bring in a Duke McKenna just to pack it, make him rat around a bit and just, you know, hustle and bustle, see if we can get some turnovers. And if you're going to play Armstrong, you've got that counter-attack threat. You could have Armstrong and Smith with pace if you want, if you want to drop, you know, but I'm not saying drop chair. Those are options, I guess. And if you and that point you made about corners, everyone back in the box, under Walberton, we used to have like Eze and right, say Samuel on the counter. You know, if you've got someone with Armstrong's pace and Smith's pace, leave them out. You know, leave them outside the box. That's your outlet. You know, you, to just release that pressure valve. If you're backs to the walls as we truly are, you need those options in the game. And it's just you just seeing real. For me, you know, I mean, I'm not a f- you know a football expert or anything like that, but just real basic things that would just help the team. Why aren't we doing? You no, know, we can all see it. But uh, in terms of positives, yeah, I think. You, you took it, you know, Armstrong, absolutely night and day was the one bright spot. Begovic
5: got on the team of the week, lads. <laughs> um, oh. But like the one thing you could say, like, if you want to be optimistic and look for a positive, conservative estimate: seven of those players on Saturday won't be playing, you would hope, by the first game in September because, and don't laugh, you've got Jake Clark Salter to come back in. Uh, Jimmy Dunn to come back in Jack Colback to come back in you would think at some point he's going to have to swallow like whatever it is and pick Willock at least possibly Richard you've got to hope that those two respond like you must be embarrassed if you can't get in that team you've got to there must be some pull your finger out embarrassment and look you know there probably will be some signings it's QPR they always make signings so you know, whether it's Steve Cook or a free transfer or whatever, probably one or two arrivals, a loan back, alone at right back. So we're immediately there, we're, what have I got to? Seven there. Like you would hope that that team would look very different. Still not very good, but better than that, you know, by the by the end of the months. Like at least seven of them, you would think from that team won't be playing by the end of the month. You know, and then obviously Jake Clark will get injured again. But you know, it will be it will be nice to see him for the for the twenty minutes we get him at Middlesbrough or wherever that is. Is 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 he back?
2: Jimmy Daz is not going to be back for a while. I don't think be, You know, we, I think again that's another mind games. Yeah,
5: of it does my head in that we're not allowed to know. Like it's expensive. It's, following, expensive. Q, it's expensive following QPR, and it's really difficult yeah, but, at the minute. Mm-hmm. And people are getting yeah, aggy about it. And you get you just getting tracked like little kids. Like, what, what manager is sat there,
2: you know, looking at the game, going, Oh salt, yeah, Clark Salt is not is back or not playing that. I'm gonna have to change everything. My approach to it's like,
4: it's
2: not gonna happen. They would do that, do they? Do
5: you remember when were managed in this league? I know it's an extreme example, but get like would name his team sometimes just name his team in the press conference on the Thursday. Just go, yeah, that's what we're gonna play, deal with it. <laughs> it's, it's just what sort of what I don't get the advantage that we think we're gaining by playing all cloak and dagger about maybe Jimmy Dunn's gonna maybe Jimmy Dunn's gonna play or not. I just it really worked on Saturday, didn't it? Our big sort of surprise witness was Paul Smith, and that worked an absolute treat. So you know it's it's really working this technique. Yeah,
2: someone mentioned it that day, and it was a really good point actually, and, and one that, that that we 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 we're, we're being enforced to is that we are like. I mentioned it earlier about we are ruining players because we're having to play them like Gubbins now like I don't know if he's ever going I know it was his opportunity but it was probably the worst opportunity he could have wanted his first appearance in right and and he's probably never going to come back from that right Um, and and he's just one of a a few people who you know I don't know how long Paul Smith's going to have I don't like if he has a really bad start really quickly and it's just not ideal for him to be frustrated you know what I mean like and Gareth Fane just picked him up quite a lot. Said he's going to have a great season, he's going to cause problems, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. And I...
5: What would really help, really help, like desperate, is if you just had three or four players from the academy that could were capable of doing 12 or 15 games this year. And apart from Armstrong, there's nobody within a thousand miles of it. And like you just no. said, you know, I don't want to slag Joe Gobbins off or whatever, but... You all saw it on Saturday. There's nobody from that academy that is anywhere within a thousand miles of our first team. And that's a a real problem you've got with the FFP situation we talked about because it would not help if you just had three or four people who could give you a dozen games at a reasonable level and we've got nobody. I can't believe there hasn't been greater turnover of the staff at the top of that academy, particularly with Les resigning. There must be some serious questions asked of Chris Ramsey, Paul Hall, Alex Cow. You've got all of these people basically at the top of the academy doing the same job. Where's, where's the product from that? Where Where is the result from that? We are absolutely desperate for just somebody that can step out of the academy and do 12 games for us. It's
2: like Norwich. I don't know if you've seen it, got that new young lad. Just out of nowhere. Is he, his name Yeah. yeah.
4: He's just yeah. gone on and yeah. scored a yeah. wonder goal
2: on the first day of the season. No one knew about him last season. I was, I was reading about it, but... Um, earlier um had a good pre-season just come in first game and just scored a world he could have scored three or four about um
4: well that's so it that's sure norwich had like rowan either both from their academy they won 2-1 both goals came from their academy look at bristol city they got four or five they're about to sell one for 25 million you know that I mean this is how you do it i mean so it's and how much i dread to think how much money has been spent on all the staff and you know the infrastructure and everything like that and they're talking about you know how great the training ground is and you know they've got we they need to start putting through you know where are these young players where you know how long do they need you know what why, why... 30,
5: I mean, their defense and you'll have seen it in the interview that we did with les last year is that they've lost 13 players 13 players have been poached for 700 pounds over the past few years under the ep3 and that you know that's the reason that the you know it's it's half a defense i guess but Paul Hall is now on the bench for the first team. He's never sort of gone back since he was caretaker manager. And like we see Chris Ramsey on the train back from all the first team away games. He's always sort of further down the carriage. But if he, is he meant to be... What is he meant to be doing? Is he not meant to be watching the academy games? What is he doing travelling to the first team games? What is he contributing for his salary for for doing that? I just... I, I just, um, it's one of the many, many things that mystifies me at the, at the moment at QPR. Right? If your skin start behaving like your skin, why have you got these people kicking around on presumably decent salaries, not producing, well, not producing anything?
2: I look around at the Championship as well, and I literally, I, I know it's only one game, and I know, but I, I look at squads, and I look at teams, and I think, who, what three teams are going to finish below us? I don't.
5: I, I had to do that last week for the season preview, i like i don't yeah. believe it. I think we're finishing last is that just but i came up with chef wed rotherham and huddersfield but i don't i, I don't I don't I... I don't I don't believe it like i don't believe it well, i saw some people say cardiff
4: but then i looked at their front four at least no way well bloody hell they look, right. pretty good <laughs> they look pretty
5: good to me i watched that game they yeah. looked totally good
4: <laughs> Bowlers and um, sign you know, and you, you think you're Carlin Grant on the left, and you had uh, Ugbo up front, look, Pacey hold held the ball up, got a goal. Aaron Ramsey, n- not for me, but like the, those those three signings, uh, you know. Well, they haven't. We couldn't um, dream I've of that. that, and that's goes back speaking, to speaking. point: How are they complying with FFP doing that? But well, yeah, I was I was speaking to a Cardiff fan yesterday,
2: and, and, and asked him that exact question, and his answer was, and I don't know how true this is, that they haven't spent anything. They haven't had any money because the they, it, the owner has had all his assets frozen, and also whatever is it the leisure industry in, in wherever he's from has been really poor because of COVID, which has carried on a lot longer than here. But this last year, it's all opened up, and his income is, and he's up and on he's earning. So that's why they've paid off the um, fees for nonce. They paid that off like a few oh, weeks so, ago. Yeah. They, they, he's invested back into Cardiff again, so hence why they. You know, I know they can't afford to buy fees. They can't. They're not allowed to. But he's just, like, say, offering wages and bigger wages and bonuses to, to clubs and stuff like that that they can do still. Apparently, So that's how. So I don't know how true that is, but it looks like that's fairly
5: true. Is but, do, we think, um, do we think Gubbins is going to have to mark that boat? Kid on Saturday, <laughs> I, I watched him against Leeds on Saturday and I'd, I'd like from behind the sofa almost watching him crawl over Liam Cooper all afternoon and thinking, hey, What are we, we going to mark him
2: with? <laughs> one other question I've got, which is always a one I always forget to talk about, is what do our scouts do? Do we have scouts? Scout.
5: Scouts, scouts, <laughs> recruitment scouts or opposition scouts?
2: Recruitment scouts, do we have any? Do any yeah, I mean, there's a whole recruitment.
5: There's a whole recruitment department there led by led by a head of recruitment and a data analytics and whatever, and they seem to be going down that path for a while, coming back to the Critchley point, at least sort of Critchley followed on from Beal, who followed on from Warburton. They were quite similar appointments, and we seem to be going down that line more younger players, you know, data analysis, recruitment. And then last summer, you basically... Beal agreed to come as long as you didn't sell chair Dieng and Willock and as long as he could basically bring loads of his boys with him. And you, you should have just said no to that all, all yeah. the way through. But at least the Critchley appointment sort of follows on from Bill. Now you've gone for a completely different stylistic manager and you're just letting him make it Gareth Ainsworth FC, like just signing Morgan Fox and people like that. The, they,
2: the club thought that uh, the Ainsworth, we said this on the pod recently, that his... his motivation, his persona, his positivity, would rub off on the players, he'd get the results they were needed, we'd get to the summer and we'd sell someone for a bigger money than what we have. I think that was the that was what they thought would happen. But we can't sell chair really. No one's coming in for him, are they? Are uh, not for the money that we would want to sell him. Same with Willock. We've sold Dickie and Diego. I mean they were they were four, or five, six million pound players a few a few seasons ago easily. So I, I just think
5: that's all contributed to the mess we're in now if you were to get rid of gareth though and like i say with no money to spend it sort of sets your calibre of replacement are you going to ha- are you going to go and get a re- replacement that plays a similar style or are you no, then- I don't know. are you then going to have someone coming in and trying to teach morgan fox to like play out from the back like, because well, that's what we've it, done. Uh, we've gone completely the other direction. Like, all the babies, all the bathwater are everywhere, right? We're just going to go, we're going to be Gareth Ainsworth with FC and he's going to sign all the players and this is how we're going to play. Yeah, but, I
2: mean, the, the board would need some sort of, you know, they would need to hold tight if we have a really poor start because it, and you can't have what we had with Pritchley because that was just, they should have... They should have moved Critshaw on quicker than they did, really, but they didn't. But you don't want that situation again, do you, where we're just losing every week? There's nothing there. There was nothing there with Critchie, was there? The players had gone. The fans had gone. He had to have gone.
3: I don't know. Doesn't this always fall back as well to why we haven't got a director of football anymore? And isn't the director of football's job to make sure the club has a philosophy and that managers come in into that philosophy not we hire managers and we go with their philosophy that's meant to be it yeah yeah it's meant to my problem with
5: and look we've just spoken about the lack of people coming out the academy and chris ramsey and whatever that's on les you know and you know you can criticize him for that my big problem with the director of football is we sort of had it but we didn't have the the system in full because as you've just said exactly that if you've got a director of football and Mick Beale comes in and says, well, I'm only coming if you don't sell those three players and I'm allowed to bring in five of my own under a director of football system, you just laugh at that. You're just like, well, absolutely not. And you know, what happens too often still at QPR is we, we go along with the director of football for a while, but then Tony, you know, Tony Fernandez turns up and tells you you're going to appoint Steve McLaren or, you know, last year we're going along, right. Beal similar to Warburton, Critchley similar to Beale, but it's not going very well. Amit turns up and says, Right, you're getting Gareth Ainsworth. And it's like that's not how the director of football is meant to meant to work. You've now got a situation where literally it just seems to me that it's like I say, you Gareth Ainsworth is turning it into Gareth Ainsworth FC. Like
2: Well well, he said that he's in control of everything when we were there. I don't know if you
5: Yeah, he did. He, yeah. yeah. yeah but he like... said that. He said that <laughs> as if it was a positive. And yeah. And I was yeah. sitting there with I was sitting there with Jack at the bat. Just that. Oh, my God.
4: (laughs) And You you know, it's about that director of football. There was a lack of clarity in what he was responsible for the whole time in his tenure, Um, whether that's just to protect him in the job or other people around him and how everyone made the decisions or a lack of standards at the club. But like they didn't commit to that strict of a director of football role, did they? Because you said about Bill. That's correct. Under Warburton. We signed Wallace Don, Ball, or Don the Badger, Ball, Andre Gray. Yeah, and the players that Warburton's boys from his old clubs, Watford, Brentford, etc. So, how much of that scouting was taking place back then? Back to your point, Ben, we've got you know a recruitment department, but are the managers that we employ listening to them, and are they overruling them and just picking the players they want? You know, Bill was a prime example of that. He seemed to know everybody that came in, you know, suspiciously. So, you no. Know, you, you, now it's even worse, you know, <laughs> allowing, you know, Ainsworth to have free reign and look at, you know, again, I feel like, do we nip it? Do they nip it in the bud? Can they afford to nip it in the bud? Is this a complete disaster train wreck or do they let Ainsworth build a team as much as he can in his image and then hope for the best until January or if he makes it that long? Wait, you know, what, what, what the alternatives is if they want to get rid of him further in the season, Warnock? You know, God, you're it, it going around in circles. So um, just, we, we can't get Warnock. He didn't seem asked about being. With I'm only there because I'm doing a favour to the chairman. It would be bad if someone else took over with these lads. You know, typical Neil Warnock self-preservation stuff. But
3: like, you know, he, he doesn't seem super happy to be so, there. Either. My big problem is somewhat... if we, we give Ainsworth the summer. Get to the end of August. He's brought in the players he wants, and we're still rock bottom. We've lost all five games. Haven't scored. Uh, we're about minus 20 in goal difference like then what are we doing we, we already could be right off the pace
2: <laughs> that's the biggest issue though, with the club isn't it is we're so reactive and we're not proactive i always say it there's just we always it's always like something's a surprise to us when it happens Like, right? and, and and that's a scenario which could very well happen so i'd expect the board to be going right well what what do we do do we hold tight and i guess it all depends on the, the manner of the defeat as well doesn't it you you know if you start losing like four or five nil that changes everything doesn't it really if you play well and lose one you know one nil away at southampton it's not so bad is it really
4: you know did you see the article about um, the bloomberg article about uh, qpr apparently looking for investors obviously in the post fernandez yeah Speaking of the investors, you just wonder like Richard Riley came in and we've been absolutely
5: terrible since he started investing in the club. And he's probably thinking, What have I been sold here? You know. I heard I heard that he was increasingly involved this summer, probably because he's got the same question that you asked there, Jack, what the hell have you done with my investment? Like we were fourth in the championship when he bought eight percent or whatever. So I've heard the club, that, that Bloomberg article about QPR seeking buyers, honest to God, like if someone had offered to buy the club from Ruben at any point over the last eight years, he'd have just handed the handed the keys over, but the amount of sort of money still owing on various things, it would probably cost you sort of £60 million pound just to get the keys to the place, and like why on and then straight away you're into the situation where the club loses £1.8 a month, that's how much it costs to run and you've still got the same FFp problem you can't you can't buy play you can't just go and buy players unless you know I've seen increasingly people just saying well you know we're just let's just ignore it again let's just go and spend because the team needs obviously refurbishment let's just ignore it I mean would not advise but I have that that point of view is going to grow over the next couple of weeks if we lose the next couple of games people are going to be saying in the last uh, week of the transfer win just ignore FFP sign the sign the players we need um, you'll see that over the next couple of weeks like I say would would not advise
2: it was already in my mind actually <laughs> I was thinking of this yesterday thinking why don't we just spend well, looking at these some of these clubs that have had fines and points deduction firmly <laughs> and there's a few I can name that, is it the, getting a six points deduction how as opposed to being rock bottom all season
5: yeah, I mean, I saw someone. It was a good line. I saw someone tweet the other day that we're basically taking a twenty-five point deduction towards yes. a six-point exactly deduction. Well, sure. That's kind of how it. How, that's kind of how it feels.
1: Yeah,
5: I think what people have got to bear in mind on that is it's not just you get six points taken off, you shake hands and walk away. There's all sorts of other yeah, bits cool. to the punishment, like you will you will be put under a business agreement with the football league that you have to get your losses down to a point before you're allowed to do anything like you will have to sell all of your players for whatever offers you get you will not be you will be under a transfer embargo for multiple transfer windows until you get your losses down and that would be very bad for us because we lose money hand over fist because of Loftus Road and various other things so it wouldn't be we get 6 points deducted and it you know it's fine it would be you get 6 points deducted Another six points next year. If you don't make the business plan, you have to sell everything you've got. You're not allowed to buy. We, you know, we look at our squad. What does it need? It needs fullback, centre back, centre mids. It needs everything. Centre forwards needs everything apart from a bloody goalkeeper, basically. But you'd be trying to rebuild the squad while having to get rid of everything you've got for no money at all, and be under a transfer embargo. You're only allowed to bring free transfers in. So you just have the situation you've got at Reading, where. Your team gets torn apart, you get no money for it, and all you can do to replace is basically get Jeff Hendrick on a free transfer and you look where Reading have ended up, like back in League One, losing at home to whoever Reading lost at home to at the Wigan Peterborough. Um, so it's not just let's break it, take the six point deduction and move on. That's not it's not how it works. I think a lot of people think think it is. I'm just sort of seeing that on our message board, people saying, well, it's only six points, and <laughs> no, it ain't.
2: Uh, just quickly, then going on to Cardiff, Doug. I don't know what what changes would you make.
3: Uh, it's hard to say because obviously we have still got a few days. Potentially get somebody in, but like we've said, that person isn't going to come in and be fit. So they probably won't even start. But I, for me, we've got to go five at the back, be tighter, slight like pack the midfield, and maybe just put Armstrong up with Dykes. Uh, play like a five-three-two keep them two up there try and keep cardiff occupied with a bit of counter-attacking football if we can but it's just not lose four nil again even if we lose one nil okay we know we i've got a makeshift team at the minute you just take a one nil it's much better than a four nil mm. anything else yeah. jack
2: would you or clive any else? to add
3: i mean
5: like packet Pack it, like you said, we're just way too open on Saturday. So you can't you can't be like that again, whatever you do. Like try and at least I think was it Jack said earlier, a three a three-man midfield, you just try and clog that space because you, your centre backs aren't very good. You can't expose them the way they were on Saturday. And you know, maybe Willock responds to being left out, and you get Willock and Chair in there and you try and get them playing close together. Because when they did play at Oxford. Chair was very extreme wide right, and Willet was very extreme oh. wide left. And what did both? I believe do, that. What did Warburton and, and Beale do to get the best out of them? You, you play them close together. Um, so hope that Willocks responded and try and do that. Um, Chair and Willet with Dykes, you know, and a three and in front. And then Armstrong on as a sort of impact, but you can't be as open as you were on Saturday. You've got to at least be professional about it. I just uh, Saturday was unprofessional. Uh, the setup, like I've said, was the maddest thing I've ever seen. It was like like we'd never heard of Watford or Valerian Ishmael or any of them. So you've got to be, you've got to be more professional and try and clog it a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think we. Can't. You've got the. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, um, you've got to yeah.
4: like definitely got to play three at the back. In my opinion, whether that means pushing Kakai to right centre back, which some people are saying that's his best position potentially. You've got Larkesh, maybe he can come in at left wing back and you put power in midfield to clog the midfield, to drop the Zell, you know, field Duke McKenna. There's always put chair in there. I don't, it's difficult because if they can get a centre back, you'd think he's just going to go straight in, don't you? I mean, regardless of fitness. With, it's a bit desperate. You can't play. You can't. You can't go Fox and Gubbins again. It's got to change somehow. Do you sacrifice Field as a midfielder and put him as centre back in the middle, or left sided centre back just to like spare a Gubbins? You know, Fox Field and you know a uh, Kakai. I mean, it's 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 paper thin. It's dreadful, whatever way you look at it. And I think you know you've got people like a probably on still fairly decent money. I wouldn't trust him to play right wing back
5: or right back. His legs have gone. No, like but His legs had gone, Jack. I remember we lost at Sheffield United at the end of the Warburton season. We lost 1-0 at Sheffield United. Adoma played in front of me. I was like, he's gone. Like, nice. It was a nice story, and we had some good times. Yeah, One-year contracts at the end. I didn't give him a two-year contract. His legs have been gone for two years. And this is what I was saying earlier about when you're having to give Colbeck or Steve Cook or Morgan Fox two- and three-year deals just to get him here. Because every other footballer is looking at QPR at the minute and their agents and whatever, and thinking absolutely no fucking way. I'm not going anywhere near that place. So just to, just to get them in, you're having to do two and three year deals for people that don't, you are just storing up problems for the Is on Colback, is he, anywhere close do you think to being at least on the bench well I think you're right I think they'll get so desperate I know we made a big thing out of sports science and it's a long season and whatever I think they're going to get so desperate that people like that and whoever they do sign at centre-back is just going to have to go straight in like for better or whatever. <laughs> like whatever happens to them what choice do we have you know are we going to just play like that on Saturday again it does feel no, like you- McLaren's team of men 2.0 doesn't it but we, we at least we had the money to go and get those four loans at that point we don't even have that now it's like i honestly don't know how they get out of this i'm
2: well, what we can't do is not concede early i think the team crumbles every you know once if we can get to sort of half time 35 40 minutes nil nil i feel like it some of these players we're talking about will grow into the game a bit more you will it's your your richards but you go one nil two nil down after 10 20 minutes. Just, these players don't, they don't, they won't like it. They don't, we already know we don't like it. So they're not just going to pick us back up again. I know we did it at West Brom once, but that was probably a one off fluke. Um,
5: it's been a big theme since he came in. We were talking before we came on, weren't we? Goals in the yeah. first 10 minutes. It's happened like what eight, nine, 10 times in his 14 games like goals after a minute, two minutes, four minutes, six minutes. like. Let's just it's see if we can. To, let's see, you said let's get to half time. I mean, let's see if we can get the time into double figures at Cardiff. <laughs> that would be significant <laughs> progress.
2: <laughs> that would be. That would be. All right, lads, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, thanks for all coming on and everyone for listening. And um, we'll be back again next week. Um, hopefully, we can try and be, have something positive. <laughs> we'll try. Um, oh Do. But yeah, let's hope we get a good result Saturday. You ours.
3: You ours.